Hi folks, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Pat and John on their best, bestest behaviour. I'm your host, Pat with Stanny Finnegan's Wake, Dubliner's James Joyce's <laughs> weird letters to his fiancée, Trinity <laughs> College, Connell Waldron's chain playing that weird soccer game, Marianne's little uh, bony cheekbones. <laughs> And my host is. My name is John. And uh, <laughs> Pat, I just want to say, it's not like this with other people. <laughs> that's that's the best you're getting from me. Uh, that's the best could, you're getting from me. Could could I have a, a photo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean like a naked picture? <laughs> <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, in case you can't tell, um, Pat has been rewatching um, the iconic contemporary limited series classic, uh, Normal People, and we're all the worse for it. Listen, you, I, I did the Irish accent once. I'll do it a thousand yeah. times. I almost uh, so so. For those of you who don't know um, this this piece of Skidmore theater lore. Um, Pat was in a, a play called Dancing at Lunasa in which he, like all the other characters in the play, um, were Irish. And so they all did Irish accents and it was a, you know, it was a big talking point of the semester. And I was actually the, uh, what's it called? I was the, uh, house manager for the show because the person who was normally the house manager was actually in the show. And, you know, I, I'm not a good actor, so I wasn't cast in it or anything that semester. So they had to find something for me to do. Um, and I almost, so as house manager, I had to like do the beginning of the show or you know, opening of the show, like speech saying, hello, welcome, here are the exits, turn off your cell phones. And I almost, um, on the very last performance, walked in and did my uh, speech in, in a, a terrible Irish accent, which would have sounded something like... Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Skidmore Theatre Department's production of Dancing at Lunasa. <laughs> but I, I refrained, partially because I did not think that the director uh, would particularly appreciate it. She had already given me several notes on my opening. Uh, what, what's, what the fuck is that called? I'm, I'm so out of this this world. Your monologue? Uh, not well, the monologue, but it's like the... the Your salvo? Like, yeah, something like that. Whatever it's called. Um, John, I just want to say thank you for your service as house manager. <laughs> thank you. I, I support the that. troops. Thank you. Yeah, you're you're the only one who showed appreciation to me. Uh, uh, yeah, all these all these years later. Um, yeah. So so welcome everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us for our hour long um, commentary on the uh, Grammy nominations. Yes. Um... And I just want to say my favorite Chief Keef leaked snippet <laughs> is up for Song of the Year. I just want to say thank you so much uh, to Minnesota by Chief Keef. I love that snippet so much, and I'm so glad it's uh, it's recognized this year. Justice for Keef. Um, yeah, boy. Um, I mean, th there's really not much to say because obviously the Grammys are stupid. I, I saw this really great... Um, tweet from Ian Cohen, who actually is is he's a writer at Pitchfork, and he actually is somewhat related to one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. But he said that 
the Grammys uh, are are what would what would he say? He essentially said like the Grammys are like if the NFL the NFL season ended in the Pro Bowl instead of the Super Bowl, which I think is a good yeah good way of putting it. Yeah, our or, listeners. Or... That doesn't mean anything to our <laughs> listeners, but yeah, or or if my fantasy team was the greatest team of all time in football. Yes, right, exactly. Um, but it is worth noting that the greatest snub of the Grammys this year is an artist slash album that we discussed on this podcast, uh, and that is The Weeknd's new or incredible album, After Hours, was not nominated for a single fucking award. Really? Yeah, which is actually pretty pretty nuts, given how big that album is and how big. I thought like, people get people, lights I, is. I, th- I mean, I know people have given up on the Oscars. That goes without saying. But right, when did people give up on the Gra- I thought they gave up on the Grammys like years ago. Um, I don't know. I think people are just bored and looking for something to talk about, and they haven't heard about this podcast yet. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw something in in in, in our uh, on our Slack group that was like Grammy nominations coming out soon, <laughs> and I just wanted to text like lines for food bank in Houston, extremely. <laughs> <Right>. long. <laughs> yeah, and uh, good thing you didn't because actually, you know, I'm not going to get into that. Um, no, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't he, even say line food lines in Houston very long when you know we're we're going to spend the the rest of the hour talking about. Uh, niche yeah. films right. and music. Yeah, so I, right, right, right. Sorry. Yes, that is true. People always reach out to me um, around like the time of like the Grammys, both like when the awards the awards come out and also like during the um, during the ceremony and because the, they think they assume that I care about it because like I love the Oscars and also like sure. I'm mentally unwell. But I always have to remind them that although I'm mentally unwell, I'm not you know caring about the Grammys one way or another. Mentally unwell, so. Do what you will, and that's that saying something. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. Started from it the bottom. <laughs> to, to quote a Grammy nominated song, I, I just, yes. I don't know. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. most. That's most it's safe to assume. Safe to assume. Yeah, he's doing okay. Um, so what are we talking about slash doing today, Patrick? Uh, so, Cressup, so to to, pre- to prepare people for Canadian Thanksgiving, um, <laughs> we have uh, we're gonna do. Uh, a second edition of our Pat and John play catch up. Um, our, yes. The episode we recorded uh, two months ago um, when I had a hundred percent in all of my classes um, <laughs> where we, you know, over the years, of course, John has recommended things to me and I have not paid attention to any of them. Uh-huh. And I've recommended things to John and he has dutifully listened or watched <laughs> those recommendations. Right. And uh, the cat the catch up episodes are to uh, level the playing field, if you will, and hold yeah. me hashtag accountable. Mm-hmm. So um, to to hold me accountable again, we we've uh, given each other two films and one album to listen to, with an added catch that one of the three things has to be from either Pittsburgh in my case or. Uh, New England in John's case. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Ideally, it Which would is be a from region, New- <laughs> not a fucking city. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Ideally, it would be something that's from uh, Raymond, New ha- Raymond, New Hampshire, or just New Hampshire writ large. But the only notable thing that has come from Raymond, New Hampshire is, well, me, of course. Uh, yes. And also uh, Chris Carpenter. 
Is that a name that means anything to you, Pat? Who's no? Who is that? He is a, a a pitcher. He's an MLB pitcher. He played for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he is from uh, Raymond, New Hampshire. Steroids or no steroids? <laughs> uh, it's really hard to say. This is this is this was a the undocumented uh, time of all of that. So who the, who the hell knows? But we'll say it's hard to get ahead when you're from Raymond, New Hampshire without them. So we'll say probably. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, yes, I chose something from New England, which we will get to uh, soon, and uh, yeah, we'll, yeah I mean, it, it, we'll just get into it, because the thing that we're going to start with is Pat's pick from uh, his homeland of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I gave John a little film, a quiet film, <laughs> you know, the first, An indie the startup. first film ever that people went crazy for is a movie about a train. Mm-hmm. The Great Train That's Robbery. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to Gautam, American Western film. Hell yeah. And um, my my film that I recommended to John is in the tradition of that, albeit taking place in the wonderful uh, Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. And that film is called... The Polar Express. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that film is called uh, Unstoppable. Yeah. Yes, which um, is a movie I had not seen before. Well, I guess that's that's why he assigned it. That's that's the whole point of this. Um, but knew about honestly only from an SNL sketch. Unfortunately, okay. um, it uh, stars uh, Jay Farrow, uh, who does his Denzel Washington um, uh, impression, which is actually very very good. And uh, yeah, it's just like a. a, a send up a parody of the trailer um so yeah all i knew about this movie was that it was just like denzel washington and some other dude on a train and didn't really think much of it um assumed it was probably going to be kind of stupid um uh for a while and then i actually heard pat talk about it um he appeared on brendan bendorf's podcast filmaholics identify people will know brendan uh from this podcast he did an episode on the wonder years um and pat appeared on uh, Brendan's podcast and talked about the films of Tony Scott, who's the director of of Unstoppable, um, and talked about him through the lens of the vulgar auteur theory, which, to put it very briefly, is just this idea that there are filmmakers who might not be thought of as good and intentional about their work, but in reality, uh, they actually are intentional and should be looked at with the same amount of reverence that we look at people like Martin Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson and and the like, um, which did not make me want to watch the movie more, <laughs> I should say, because I don't buy into that theory. Um, but I really, really enjoyed this movie. I really, really loved it. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's like the like the like the not a titular train, but like the main train. It just uh, it starts and it doesn't let up. And uh, the movie is all all the better for it. Um, Do you yeah. want to give your little um, your little class thesis on this movie? Oh yeah, I mean your it's little, also uh... yeah, it's 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 really interesting to watch like now, both like because I think there is like a general like more awareness of class and sort of like critiques of capitalism or just kind of more like. What's what I'm looking for. Keep listening, everybody. Keep listening. Don't turn <laughs> off. Please don't turn off. Yeah, it gets better. I promise. We've got um, 50 it'll... more minutes of a podcast. <laughs> um, 
yes, there's just like that's kind of more conventional wisdom, right? That capitalism is to some degree bad. Um, but it's also interesting to look at it like essentially the the movie is about a runaway train um, that is like heading toward a a town city in Pennsylvania. Yeah, what yeah. Is, yeah, and it's going to like hit that town and kill a bunch of people. And it's got deadly cargo. The cargo yes, is yeah. like nitro, whatever Toxic the fuck gas. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they, they need to stop the train and like they have a couple different things they could do that would destroy the train like before it hits anyone. But the company like that owns the train doesn't want to do that because they're, they would lose money because the train is obviously very expensive. So it in very many ways is about like people dealing with power hungry and money hungry companies that don't care, that care more about the bottom line that they do about like people as a whole which is interesting to look at in light of like the world that we live in but also responses to the pandemic um it's pretty people valuing money and the economy more than people's lives um and yeah and it's interesting that it, it involves like two union workers who kind of like are in conflict with one another but are mm. also on the same team but have kind of been like tricked into viewing each other like as competition um because denzel washington's older and is like has been in the system a lot longer than Chris Pine's character. And Chris Pine is like younger and sort of got into like the game kind of by over, by stepping over some of like the usual hurdles because of, yeah, by nepotism. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I was just like surprised that it had all of that going for it. And I think there's some level of intentionality behind it because Tony Scott is like a very competent and smart filmmaker. And I don't just say that because he was British. Um, Though I suppose that helps. Well, he's he's like a rough and tumble kind of English kid, like mm. from kind of a more northern like Manchester like background. So that's like in all of his films. There's always yeah. sort of like this like blue collar underdog guy. Yeah. Like in um, Last Boy Scout mm-hmm. um, train uh, taking of Pelham one tooth, though that's not his film, but like um deja vu denzel plays like this very kind of like low-level cop like he's really into kind of like blue collar aesthetics yeah and i think one of the the best parts of this movie is that it's it's so visually intriguing yeah and it's even though things are moving super fast duh it's a fast train there is like real purpose and intentionality with it it's not just like an explosion it's not just like add for add's sake like you can track the action very well and i'm thinking like there's even little flourishes like this is a spoiler but towards the end of the the movie when they're trying to save the train there's this grain car that explodes Mm. and all of this grain comes up and it's yeah. so beautiful. It's like it is. It's like a yeah. plague of locusts. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I got from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're welcome for that audience. Um, yeah. Nice, nice biblical allusion there. So yeah, I would say if you want to hear more about Tony Scott and Unstoppable, because um, I'm I'm stopping myself prematurely before I uh, sputter off like the sure. train. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll link to Brendan the episode that I was on with Brendan in the in the show notes. Yeah. Or not. (laughs) (laughs) Or Google hard. Use your Google. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes. No, it is actually a very interesting uh, episode. And if you want to listen to Pat, just go off without me uh, holding him back as dead weight. Um, That might be something that you're into. Um, Yeah. But no, great, great movie. And uh, I'm very glad um, that I watched it. And it, it went over a lot better than 
Pat's last assignment of a of a film by a vulgar auteur, um, Pain and Gain. Uh, so um, Pat is uh, hopefully pleased with that. Um, let's move on to um, my pick. So I assigned Pat uh, a, a film, a piece of visual media that we've actually talked about briefly on the podcast before, um, on the episode where we had our ex-girlfriends, uh, Ziggy Schulting and Sydney Tennant, on to talk about movies that we watched as couples. Um, we talked about this as something that Ziggy and I watched, uh, and that is the stand-up special slash one-man show uh, by Mike Birbiglia entitled <laughs> My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. Um, and yeah, I'm just curious as to what, what Pat's general response was to this. Well, it started out very rough. Um, <laughs> about five minutes in, I thought it was going to be a phone watch for me mm, because yes. as soon as he starts talking about like, I don't get the concept of marriage. I don't know right. if it's for me. I was right. like, oh, of course John loves this. <laughs> of course John loves this. <laughs> and then throughout the story, I just could just see John just like, just he's just so into it because there are so many times where the, Mike Birbiglia, who is like the protagonist and all, like he's telling stories about himself. He is the protagonist. Yeah. yeah. Where he'll tell a story that is like, he's like, oh, it. This story only ha- this story about me and a girlfriend could only happen to me, and yeah. I was like, "There are so many times in my life with John where I'm like, oh, these stories only happen to John. They actually don't right. happen to other people. They're only specific to the sure. wonderful Jonathan Michael LeMay. And yeah, so so long story short, so I don't babble. I it became. It be- I became a fan by the end. It's a really yeah. beautiful story. Stories. Um, they weave together and apart in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not terrible to watch as a, as a one-man show. Some of those are awful to watch, yeah. like cinematic. Like, I'd much rather just have them uh, be a podcast right? as right. opposed to a visual thing. And I, And I should say, like, I'm glad that it's not a mumblecore movie. Yeah. Like it does yeah. kind of seem like a Noah Bombacki, Joe Swanberg sure. joint. Yeah. But it kind of works better as just a plain simple one man show. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, cuz it's just really focused on like storytelling and that's why I like it so much, I think. Like I it was it was I I saw this in probably 2014 uh mm-hmm. and I don't know. The more I like, I, and it's it's just one of those things that I like. I've seen this a bunch of times, and it's just like a warm blanket. Like I, I, mm. you can listen to this on Spotify as well, or on like streaming apps. And like I, sometimes I'll just do that, like while I'm traveling or whatever. And I think part of why I really like it is that it, it is like it addresses things that I'm really interested in. Like it is about like romance, and it's about like pursuing selfhood to some degree, and. But I also like it. Just makes sense to me as like a form of expression because like. I think of myself as someone who can be funny at times, but isn't like funny on demand. Like I did comedy in college, but like I was definitely not like the star of any shows. Um, and I could definitely never do like stand up. And I also enjoy performing, but I'm not a particularly. Um... <laughs> Pat is miming, pouring, <laughs> pouring one out for my comedy career. Um, and I enjoy performing, but I. And I enjoy like, being on stage, but I'm not like a particularly gifted actor and have always struggled with some aspects of acting. Um, and this has this just I don't know, this just makes sense to me. And I've like done 
some like storytelling competitions before and I've kind of like used this like model of telling stories having them be funny but also not having like that you know that that obligation for every single sentence to like pack a punch because there are some moments in this stand-up special that are just really beautiful and Mm. quiet and tender and he just like will have a joke and then immediately after that he'll say something like pretty serious and there'll just be like this really beautiful silence in which you can just tell everyone is like feeling like some version of wow um and yeah it's it's also very hard for me to buy like when a comedian starts their routine with basically like i know i'm not hot right (laughs) that's like the that's like the thesis he starts out with like yeah yeah my my success with women sums up to i know i'm not hot and it's like right (laughs) fucking perform so it's like you're you have some clout yeah like i don't feel terrible for you but like i don't know it's it's done it's pulled off with with such uh nuance that yeah you know yeah it works yeah and i will just say this and this is the last thing i'll say in this um please this I I've also taught this. This is part of my creative writing curriculum. Like I use this during my unit on story and storytelling and fiction, and like my students always love this. Like even students who aren't normally into stand up really love it. I've showed this to a bunch of people, a bunch of friends. All of them have really liked it. Mm. I've showed this to my parents and my younger brother, and they've all really loved it. So it's just like. It, it's it's a hit with pretty much everyone that I've shown it to. So mm. I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's on Netflix and Amazon Prime. It's short as well. It's only like 75 minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, That's why people yeah. like it. That's why it's Yeah, good, right. Way. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out they like that a lot more than uh yeah, than 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 her uh or an an elephant sitting still, the 4-hour uh depressing ass Chinese movie from Oh, I thought your ago. students loved that one. Uh, they loved, yeah, they they loved uh, your exercise for that. Only the really special ones, as it turns sure. out. Um, so yes, definitely check that out. Uh, as well as Unstoppable is Unstoppable. That's not available to stream, is it? Max HBO Max. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Oh, I streamed it. And like, you can get it. You can. Like you a... can. Okay, John. What you <laughs> just just tell everybody that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, In Pittsburgh, yeah. uh, it streams every every Friday. At every church, <laughs> yeah. As well outside, as outside every train station, um, right? <laughs> um, all right, let's move into uh, the music portion of this episode. So we s- assigned each other um, an album each, and uh, it this pretty much went about as you would expect, um, especially based on last time around. Um, so, Pat, do you want to talk about your yeah. uh, what you assigned me? So my recon- recommendation to John was. Well, I was 18 when I first heard uh, 21 by Adele, and that album meant um, – sorry. that <laughs> I like didn't have enough material to like follow that little bit up with. Um, okay, I, I recommended John listen to a little album called Finally Rich by Chief Keef. Um, mm-hmm. To provide some context, uh, Chief Keef came out with – the song I don't like in 2011 and this Mm -hmm. was pre-streaming pre-everything and it was it was a viral you can't say viral anymore because nothing's viral but it was as viral as it could get in 2011 he was 16 at that time and he was 17 when um, finally Rich came out Jesus and it was a whole new 
sort of subgenre of rap. The the genre is called drill, which has now mm-hmm. been sort of uh, taken over in, in Brooklyn and also in the UK. But in Chicago, the themes were these kind of like twinkly, melodic 808s punctuated with dark keys mm-hmm. and this kind of like deadpan, nihilistic, like morbid rapping. Yeah. And also a lot of melody. And Chief Keef was unbelievably popular. This album came out. It was not the hit. It did not match the viral success of the singles and the videos. And Chief Keef spent the next eight years exiling himself from his home city of Chicago to LA and has made increasingly weirder and weirder music. I and recommend a ton less, of music as well. A ton, like a, a ton, like Wayne levels of, of output. And the, the reason why, and I'll, I promise this will be quick. The reason why I, I, the first Pat and John play catch up, I assigned John to listen to Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne mixtape. Wayne was a public figure for a very long time. And then he got extremely famous or I should say increasingly famous. Mm-hmm. Chief Keefe was famous the second he was a public figure. And it is incredible that he is, one, alive, and right. two, the fact that he was able to replicate his own version of artistic success. Yeah. And um, if you listen to this album, actually, John, talk to me about this album and why it resonates today still. Yeah, so it's it's one of those albums, and this this happens sometimes where you'll have like these, whatever these movies, these books, these these records that don't have a ton of like success, um, or like the person who put it out like isn't seen as like sort of part of the canon of whatever genre they're in, but pretty much everyone who listens to it is inspired um, in some way to like start their own, you know, to start doing their own music. And that's, that's the case with Chief Keef. Like you have a ton of rappers who are alive today who, you know, people like Lil Uzi, um, Lil Pump, uh, 21 Savage, um, who are like incredibly popular and also pretty young. And just like without fail, when people ask them like, who is your biggest influence? They'll all be like, Oh, Chief Keef. Like just this, like, this surge of rappers, like pretty much all of them are saying that they were inspired by Chief Keef and particular songs um, by him. And I'm into a lot of that kind of rap. And I'm also really into like emo rap that is much more like melodic and sort of has like this whole vibe to it. Um, and I found a lot of that on this album that I really enjoy. Like it's it's small, it's in small ways because there are also a lot of songs that don't fall into that category, which also are not the ones that necessarily I love as much. Um but yeah, I just love that aspect of 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 Chief Keef and that he's kind of like, you know, was someone who was kind of written off, especially by like a lot of music publications and wasn't seen as like having a lot of substance, but also like just influenced so many people. Um, and yeah, that's kind of um, you can see that in the first song that we're going to uh, that we're going to listen to and talk about um, as before. Every, every single time we talk about an album, we each brought in a, a song that we particularly like from it. Um, and the song that I brought in is the opening track from Finally Rich, which is called uh, Love Sosa. Fuckers in school were telling me, always in a barbershop. There's a little bit of an intro that I'll listen to for a second and then skip to the meat of the song. They say don't be nigga put on no work. Shut the fuck up! Y'all niggas ain't no shit! 
you get the idea. Here's where it really starts. You can hear the little twinkling synths in the background. Yeah. Yes. Incredibly simple melodies, but so many people cite the song as like a huge influence on their aesthetic. Yeah, so that's Love Sosa. Oh, I, I can't so describe uh, those who know know, but I cannot describe to people how big this song was in 2012. Yeah. Drake yeah. famously tweeted listening to fi- listening to Love Sosa for the 500th time or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like you you can hear Uzi, you can hear um I mean I I, I can't you, you, little baby, you can hear mm-hmm. everything from that yeah. just from that chorus. Yeah. And in the in the verse you're going to hear like 21 Savage like young nudie like i i cannot oh my god he was so young he was 17 i know it's nuts it's absolutely nuts yeah such wonderful Um, beautiful simplicity yeah yeah which is also you can kind of get in the song that uh pat brought in uh yes you want to say a little bit about that song pat yeah it's um uh it's one of the more poppy ones on the the album and it's kind of like you realize that if Post Malone had made this song, it would have been the biggest song in the entire world. Oh yeah. And if this song Absolutely. had come out in 2020, it would have been streamed a billion times. Totally. Um, totally. But yeah, we should we should play Sitgo. Okay. Here is Sitgo by Chief Keith. Oh, it's so be- so bubblegummy. I love it. It is. <laughs> I should say this is my favorite song that I brought in, but I decided to defer to Pat. it's just stupidly good it's so yeah. good um wh- while i was listening to that uh i i i thought of um like the the ad living that happens in the background it mm. makes me think of one of my favorite um i don't, know if, I don't even know if you can call it hip-hop but hip-hop adjacent artists from the past decade um that no one talks about anymore is uh mr fetty Wap. yeah uh, and oh, yeah. i just i love him and i you could totally oh, hear you can totally hear on him yeah i mean he he uh he created the a flow 
So like a rapper will go, but the, 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 a, the, 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 yeah great album uh, and it's also it's it's short um and like a lot of albums in this sort of world like are not i would not describe them as particularly lean they tend to be like 22 sure. you know song affairs and this is i think 15 songs and it's like really tight yeah. um so yeah definitely check it out if you're so inclined to listen to this type of music or if you're not i suppose if if you want more sort of melodic poppy chief keef he released an album couple years ago called thought breaker mm. and i would recommend that one the other stuff is pretty is very inaccessible and very difficult very rewarding but i just want to say you know very rewarding <laughs> <laughs> i just want to say if you want to jump into kurosawa watch rashomon first you might get a little overwhelmed with uh... <laughs> um all right let's move into um the album that i assigned which this is the regional uh treat that i uh assigned pat so this is by this is an album from a band uh from connecticut which uh is notably not new hampshire in any capacity but this is kind of the closest that i that i could get to a a regional nugget uh, for pat to enjoy um and i assigned pat an album called whenever comma if ever by a band with the um, pithy band name of The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die. Yeah, Um, this album came out, Pat just dabbed. Don't worry, everyone, he did, in fact, dab. Um, This album came out in 2013, uh, so a year after Finally Rich. And one might say there are two sides of of the same coin. Uh, They're both pretty pretty brief, albums that have a sort of emotional bent to them uh and yeah pat why don't you say a little bit about your experience with this album and i'll and i'll give my brief very brief uh sort of thesis on what makes it so special to me and to the larger world that i inhabit so my experience with this album was i kept waiting for it to hit me i kept waiting Mm -hmm. for it to sort of grab me and uh i was waiting for a more immediate effect if we're yeah. being frank. And this album is very it's very breathy, it's very airy. It's it kind of a lot of the musical motifs kind of like just trail off. Mm-hmm. They go in many different directions and I think I was expecting something a little heavier mm-hmm. and a little more immediate, especially for an emo pop punk right thing so i wasn't the biggest fan of it um it it took me actually a couple tracks for me to actually buy it like Mm -hmm. the the first two tracks which it's just too there's just not enough crunch frankly for my taste Um, yeah which makes sense because um the album that i assigned pat last time is also an emo an emo album a pretty famous emo album um home is no home like no place is there by the band the hotel year and that's they're both emo albums but that one is much it's harder it's kind of more pop punk influenced whereas this is more it's kind of, it's more expansive there's a lot of crescendo yes. it's very much like falls into the world of post rock which for those of you who don't know is like uh for any of you who listen to or have seen friday night lights uh the opening to that uh 
to that show um is a post-rock song so like a lot of like very shimmery guitars and a lot of instrumentals um and yeah so they're, they're they just have a very different worlds and this band is also very expansive in like every aspect like its name is obviously incredibly expansive mm. the world is a beautiful place and i'm no longer afraid to die but the band is on this album there are 11 people featured on on the band yeah. in the band why just and, why not have a 80 <laughs> right yeah why not why well stop just, at 11 yeah that is true um and they also tour like they toured with like around with around like nine to eleven people um and i think they're still like around seven to eight people in the band so they have like three guitarists a keyboardist um mm-hmm. a cello a cello player um that's where i have to player. draw the line yeah <laughs> right <laughs> some things pat cannot abide um uh so yeah so it's just like a very expansive yeah sort of sound and again if you're if you're going in expecting a little more of a punch then it's going to be a little um yeah it's not going to be quite that but let's listen to the song that i brought in which is the second song on the album um uh it's called heartbeat in the rain i'll probably skip around a little bit because there's it does build takes a little while to get into the the meat of it a little bit Also, the song is called Heartbeat in the Brain. The reason why I said Heartbeat in the Rain is because I actually misheard that title when I first listened to it and um, actually used that line in one of my poems as kind of like a little homage. So it's become canonized as Heartbeat in the Rain in my mind. Um, But yeah, so there's just like a lot going on in there. Like you have different like I think the songwriting is like pretty complex and you have a couple different singers uh, as well. Like you have some screaming, you have like three different people who share um, vocal duties in the band. Um, and yeah, and what kind of makes this album important, and I promise this will be brief, um, is that like this this genre called like emo revival or Twinkle Daddies like kind of started to gain more like recognition um like by music publications like with the release of this album and it's their first it's their first full length prior to this they had had just a couple like eps and one-offs um this also features a different vocalist so the the, the vocalist that you hear in this song is the original one named tom diaz um and he was actually on his way out of the band because of health issues, and he was replaced by Dave Bellow, who you hear will hear in the song that Pat uh, has brought in. So it was like this interesting sort of like passing of the torches that that happened That's with weird. that. Yeah, and it's just like the the album is very much like a sort of transitionary album, and this band is just like very important to a lot of people because 
this is just like a very community oriented band. Um, they had they all lived in this house called the Handsome Woman um, in Willimantic, Connecticut, and that was like a very famous house where people would have like they would have house shows, um, and it was like very big in like the DIY emo New England scene. And a lot how of their lyrics. Was, are... How much did it cost to stay there a night? Um, uh, not very much. Um, and none of that money went to heating, uh, because when I stayed there, um, I don't think that they had heat. Um, there's like a lot of like anarchist punks who live there. And my attachment to this band is that I know a lot of people who played in this music scene. And I actually went on tour with my friend's band. Um, and we played a couple of shows with, um, a side project of someone in the band and we actually stayed at the handsome woman and it was super weird because i was very into this band at that time and i was like staying in their house and it was just like this weird like almost famous-esque moment um (laughs) yeah um yeah pat just saluted um appropriately um so yeah so i just i love the shit out of this band they are one of my favorites i love what they sing about i love their whole vibe. I love the open heartedness. I fucking love the band name uh, yeah, so much. Yeah. I almost got it tattooed on me a oh, couple it's very times. You. It's very me. Yeah, for better or for worse, most likely for worse. Um, but yeah, not Pat's favorite, but he did bring in a song that he liked. And the song that Pat brought in is the final song on the album um, called Getting Sodas. And this is actually cited as one of their best songs, um, a favorite for many. listen to the first the first chunk then i'll play a a section that i really like as well some of you may hear the sort of noodly guitars going on in the background which is a, a staple of the emo genre Yeah, so that's the first chunk of Getting Sodas, and I'm just going to skip to my favorite section of the song slash the album. Once again, Pat brought in my favorite song. Um, so we have, it's good to know that we're on the same uh, on the same page there. Um, so this is like, the song kind of builds for like another few minutes, and then it has this kind of like outro part um, that I'm going to play a little bit of.
and that repeats for like another three minutes and uh yeah those lyrics are just very very special to me it goes uh the world is a beautiful place but we have to make it that way whenever you find home we'll make it more than just a shelter and if everyone belongs here it will hold us all together if you're afraid to die then so am i and uh yeah that pretty much captures the whole ethos of of the band um and i would be remiss if i didn't mention and it's not a particularly happy aspect of it um but as i said the the singer on on this song is different than the one you heard earlier um and the original singer for the band actually i think this past year um passed away from some sort of like no one knows exactly what from but some sort of like medical condition yeah and it was a very very sad moment for the the emo uh music scene um but yeah that's whenever if ever by the world's beautiful place and i'm no longer afraid to die Wow. Well, yeah. Um, the world is a beautiful place, but that is not the case for the <laughs> film that I recommended to John. That is true. I recommended him watch a, a little tiny film called Children of Men, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a 2006 film directed by Alfonso Cuaron, featuring Ooh, love some... Love the accent work. Merci. Um <laughs> Featuring some dynamic acrobatic cinematography. Yes. As well as one of the great ensembles ever in a in a modern thriller, I think. I think you could yes. put this ensemble up to up to a couple. Um what did you think of Children of Men? Oh also the movie could not be more timely. Yes. And a lot of people mention how timely this movie is, and I don't think you can reiterate like how timely it is enough like i don't think it's possible to yeah 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 and i guess in order to comment on how timely it is um the movie is kind of like a dystopian futuristic um Mm -hmm. film uh it takes place in what like 20 takes place in like 2030 or something like that yeah um so they're not so distant future and essentially like a million things have happened to the world but the big thing is that uh people are not able to have children like women are completely like um infer infertile infertile infer- infertile yeah infertile yeah um and also there have been like various like global depressions and there are like issues with asylum seekers and refugees so you know it takes place in england and it's just like you can just tell right away that this world is like you you see like shots of um, like immigrants who are being held like in cages and in like in in these like these towns uh and yeah it's just like it's it's kind of nuts to watch like it's it's nuts to watch in in light of obviously the the pandemic even though like there isn't a pandemic in this particular world like there is some sort of like medical thing that has rendered um, women infertile and mm. there's also just like large civil and global unrest um and you have various like refugee crises and immigration crises and you know the aforementioned image of like immigrants in of people in cages is pretty nuts to think about in light of you know the past few years and yeah it came out in 2006 but it feels very very prescient and it's kind of wild to watch now um and the world is just rendered so skillfully and captured so beautifully and there's really no fat to this movie even though it's not it's not super short it's not terribly long but it's not short um and yeah i just i loved this movie um i had seen a couple um alfonso coron movies i seen i had seen roma 
E2 Mama Tambien, and uh, the movie that most people know him for, which is the third uh, Harry Potter film, uh, i.e. the one that is actually interesting to look at and interesting as a film. Um, and E2 yeah, I Mama just... Tambien. <laughs> <laughs> look, I know my limits, okay? I know my <laughs> limits. Uh, I took four years of Spanish at an under-resourced public school, so I'll oh, just leave it at that. Oh, here we go, guys. <laughs> I'll just leave it go. at that. Um uh, but yeah, but the movie the movie's really wonderful. And I'm not usually into like sci-fi esque movies. I'm not usually into like dystopian esque movies, but yeah. um I totally they're corny as this. fuck. Yeah, they're corny and there's too much world building and I don't give a shit about learning about the various technologies uh and stuff like yeah. that. Um and yeah, I just I really love this. And and the, the camera work is just incredible. Like the the long takes and like the long shots in this movie are just out of this world and he's alfonso corona is known for that and he's known for like bringing in cinematographers who do great work in that aspect um but even going into this knowing that like i just i i loved that aspect of the movie well so it's a movie that you have to be you have to pay attention to what's happening in the background because you understand the context of england and the world at the time not really through the main characters and through the main dialogue in the foreground Look at the billboards in the back. Look mm-hmm. at the TVs. Look at what um, the asylum seekers and the refugees are screaming. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just very clever. Nothing is on the nose. It's just so masterful yeah. in that way. Yeah, you can tell that Alfonso Cuaron, like really trusts um, his audience, which I, it's always great to watch movies where people people do that. Um, yeah, and it's a movie that was like kind of... I, I don't know how well this movie did when it first came out, but... I don't think it was like nominated for a ton of Oscars, maybe like some technical stuff. Um, and uh, I don't know if how it did like at the box office, but I remember coming across this movie on a lot of like end of the decade lists. It was just kind of like creep up every now and then. And it, it, I was surprised to see that because um, I guess I just thought of the movie as like maybe being more of like an action thriller sort of movie mm. that maybe doesn't have a ton of substance to it. That's why I don't think they knew how to market it. Yeah. Cuz yeah. they wanted to market it as this sort of like thrillery sci-fi thing, but it's not yeah. that at all. I mean, it has elements of it, but it's it's really a sort of like a devastating social commentary. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, it was another another pleasant another pleasant surprise. Um uh, yeah, the cast is really incredible. Everyone in it is really great. Um, features Michael Caine in a slightly different uh, Michael Caine role than we usually um, get from him. He's kind of less of like a, you know, your typical posh British man uh, and is just he's kind of like a, a hippie. Um, he's a leftist. Yeah, he's a leftist. He's an old yeah. leftist. Yeah, he's an old leftist. Yeah. Uh, and very funny. Um, so, yeah. Awesome movie. Um, I also watched this movie on uh, Peacock, which is this is the first thing I've ever seen on Peacock, which is the mm-hmm. NBC streaming service. Um, and it's free, or at least the plan that I signed up for is free. And because of that, you have trailers. And it just reminded me of just how insufferable it is to watch movies or anything with trailers. Uh, it, it's it's actually it's it's timely that. Um, Pat began this with his little his his A plus bit oh. about normal people because that was one of those moments where because I watched it on Hulu and I, yeah. because Hulu's basic plan you get trailers and it's just annoying and it was the same deal with this where 
They didn't watch, watch it. They didn't watch it. Right, exactly. When, when you watch ads, when, you, when watch you watch it. things on trail on uh, sorry, when you watch things like on TV like it's edited, they find like good stopping points or they fade out whereas like here you'll have like um yeah, you'll have like incredible just heart-wrenching human drama that is just punctuated by, you know, some stupid commercial for Grubhub or DiGiorno's yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um So yeah, it makes Can't me very glad. Can't that win them all. You truly can. You truly can. But yes, but you can watch this on Peacock um, if you want to sign up for a, uh, a free account there. So yeah, good film. Good picture. Um, so it's also, it, it works out well that Pat uh, assigned me a movie in which uh, there are no children at all uh, in a society in which there are no children at all, which is, you know, Pat's dream society. Um <laughs> Because the, we're gonna we're gonna do a little we did a little palate cleansing or we're gonna do a little palate cleansing um, by talking about a movie that not only features a lot of children um, and and families but is also marketed for primarily children and families and we are talking about the 2014 film dare I say the 2014 masterpiece masterpiece Paddington oh I love this movie so much. I love this movie so much. Um, I knew that a lot of people I trust liked it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think that I would fall for it, and I did. Um, Mm -hmm. I laughed so hard at so many parts in this movie. (laughs) I love the the fact that he eats everything, and he fucks up, and he's so... He's so fun and cuddly, and I don't say that about much stuff. Sure, sure. But sure. I don't know. He looks good too. Like yeah, yeah. Like the animation looks good. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just, I I just loved it so much. I I just had so much fun. Yeah, I had so much fun with this movie. It might be like one of it. It's it's. it's it's definitely like one of the most charming movies of all time. And yes, the, the main Paddington is probably one of the most charming characters of all time, but it also does it without being precious at all. It does it without making feel like it's, I don't know. There are no tricks with this movie. Like it all just feels very, very well earned. Um, Yeah. Because it's, it's, it is a children's movie and it is a family friendly film but you don't feel condescended to at all no. while you're watching it um you know in a way that just so many family it, it you watch it and you're just like this isn't that hard like there should be more movies like this like there should be more movies that you can watch that are like rated g or pg and don't make you feel like an absolute idiot um because yeah all of the humor is like there's really great physical humor which i don't usually love personally no. um no. But all the physical humor is great. It's also like it's smart. There are like some really subtle, like quick jokes that that just made me laugh so much. Um, there's a scene where he's and this isn't going to sound funny um, to anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but there's a scene where he's talking to um, Sally Hawkins and Hugh Bonville, who he's trying to he's trying to convince them to let to let him stay with them. Uh, and he's holding this container of ketchup that's shaped like a tomato. And they're like, "Oh, what's your name?" And he's like, "Oh, well, I have a name that's uh, that's that's in in bear language, but it's hard to pronounce." And then he just takes a little nibble out of it, and without missing a beat, he's like, "That's not ripe." And then he just keeps on 
going uh and it's just it's so small but that's like my favorite part of the movie um yeah or just like he'll drink the entire teapot <laughs> yeah right yes <laughs> he has no tact and why no chill is that at funny all. i know why is that funny it just works it's very yeah, hard and... very hard to make me laugh and i'm dying during this movie yeah yeah and th- th- we should we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh the great voice acting uh by mr ben wishaw uh one of my celebrity doppelgangers um (laughs) uh and he's just incredible in in this movie and and i don't know i would say that paddington is like probably tied with Gollum for being like the best like cgi characters of all time and i obviously don't say that lightly um yeah it's just it's it's just a wonderful wonderful movie and there's also like it's in addition to being very funny i i also i got teary-eyed at several points during this movie and i still Mm. do like the first five minutes um i challenge anyone to watch it without feeling at least a little bit of a lump in their throat um and there's also like substance to it like it very you can tell that they very much made this like with the ideas of like immigration and like refugees and like asylum seekers in mind because the movie is like it addresses that like london is kind of portrayed as a person where like anyone is welcome and like they won't judge you for being a bear because like no one does judge him for like no one even notices it it's just like oh yeah that's London's the best a place part, where there are a bunch of yeah, yeah they're just like a bunch of like weirdos in london and you can be a weirdo too and obviously that's also that's complicated by you know actual lived experience but yeah the movie what? definitely has something to say about <laughs> we don't have time to get into it pat <laughs> okay thank um, you uh and yeah, the, the there's just like a I don't know. I love that aspect of it. And the sequel is even better, and I'm so excited for Pat to watch that and report back. Woo. Yeah. Um yeah, I can't say enough about about this movie. And I will also just say my personal attachment to this movie. Um I grew up with Paddington like just kind of in the background, but notably I had this pair of Paddington footy pajamas in red and in blue. And they had like the, you know, like little like emblem on the chest, the Paddington emblem. And I wore those everywhere. I wore them at the house. I wore them to church. There was, I was just like always known to be wearing my Paddington footy pajamas. Um, So yeah, so that's my personal um, attachment to to Paddington. Uh, Dropping this Thursday at uh, the Supreme in Williamsburg, uh, Paddington (laughs) footy pajamas. Yeah, the John LeMay winter winter series go cop those yeah yeah um yeah can you can you find this streaming anywhere is this or i had to rent it yeah you had to rent rent it it. okay well it's worth it it's worth it yeah i robbed seven townhouses for it it was worth it (laughs) yeah absolutely um awesome well do we want to do a little a quick little recap of our respective picks yeah so i told john to watch unstoppable Listen to Finally Rich by Chief Keef and to watch Children of Men. Yeah. And I assigned Pat um, to watch uh, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend uh, by Mike Perbiglia, uh, to listen to Whenever If Ever by The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die, and uh, to watch Paddington. So check out all of those if you want a very strange... Uh, thanksgiving week uh diet uh watch all of those movies instead of uh traveling of hopping on planes or doing anything like that um yeah 
stay safe, all that kind of stuff. Or do travel. Or yeah, or do travel. Yeah. Or or watch them on on the plane and listen to them on the plane. Um yeah, yeah while you don't wear a mask because you want to <laughs> um you know, express your personal liberty. Um John, what are you thankful for this year? Oh man, what am I thankful for? Um I'm thankful for Paddington, obviously. Um, I'm thankful for uh, Denzel Washington. Uh, I'm thankful for um, for this podcast and our listeners and everyone who has uh, rated and reviewed the podcast on Apple yeah, there Podcasts was, there and was, iTunes. There was, there was, uh, yeah. And I'm thankful for you, Patrick Cressupstani. Oh, well, John, right yeah. back at you. I'm, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so, so, so thankful for our our listeners and i hope they're having a lovely thanksgiving and we appreciate the love and and support and unlike john i will still love and accept you if you don't write a review for the podcast (laughs) but uh just for our just for my sake just just do it for me okay yeah i know he's the hard rude english teacher (laughs) who gets you to read books you don't want to read but i'm right i'm the fun gym teacher right you can smoke weed during my class (laughs) Right. I'm the English government in Children of Men, and Pat is the English government uh, in Paddington. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have nice cops in Paddington. The fun cops. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Speaking of of rating and checking out podcasts, um, Pat, you've got a new project you want to check out. Jesus Christ on a bike. (laughs) I got a new podcast coming out. It's uh, with the CMU International Film Festival. I will be interviewing directors... Uh, of the films that we're screening virtually we'll link it to the podcast please mm-hmm. check that out um i i truly for that podcast i should say that i am on my best behavior <laughs> so it's a little less freewheeling than pat and john but yeah I, yeah i hope you guys enjoy still yeah it turns out that uh pat's discovering that uh your average uh filmmaker who actually does something of note um doesn't have quite the senses of humor um that that our <laughs> guests uh tend to have or at the very least they're not willing to uh put up with our bullshit as much right. as your average you know documentarian uh might be um but yes does that does that have a uh, does it have a name pat the carnegie mellon film festival podcast oh boy okay <laughs> <laughs> Carnegie Mellon Film Festival podcast. That isn't a resounding uh, recommendation. Then I don't. I don't know what what is. Um, well, because it's different from. I actually don't want to get into why it's different, but just please listen. Please listen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I don't have anything uh, to plug. I'll I'll use my plug to uh, check out Pat's oh. new podcast. Oh. So two for the price. Happy of Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Peace out. Bye.